Today our journey continues as we look through the eyes of Pilate and see Jesus on trial. The crowds have grown, Jesus' friends have all gone, and he stands alone. So please stand as we read from God's word. From Luke 23, verses 13 through 25. Pilate then called together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, You brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection started in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus, but they kept shouting, Crucify! Crucify him! A third time he said to them, Why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. He released the man who'd been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. What do you think about Pilate? I want to know more about Pilate. We, we know a few things. We know that he was governor the province, Roman province of Judea from around A.D. 26 to 36. We know that his main job was keeping peace, keeping order in the province. And so when a big festival like Passover came around, Pilate needed to be in Jerusalem. And so here he is. We know from Luke 13, 1, that there was a time when Pilate actually took the blood of Galileans and mixed it with the Jewish sacrifices. So there's a history between Pilate and these religious leaders. So we know some of these surface details, but we don't know the deeper details that we want to know. Like in John 18, when Pilate says to Jesus, what is truth? Was he sincere? Was he sarcastic? Or in Matthew 27, Pilate's wife has a dream, and Mrs. Pilate says, have nothing to do with this man. What what did she dream? There's a lot we don't know, and yet what we know is what Pilate did in Jesus' trial. And what he does helps us to see through his eyes. So today, two simple questions. What does Pilate do and why does it matter? The trial of Jesus actually unfolds in stages. We see what Pilate does each stage of the journey because in each stage Pilate asserts that he thinks Jesus is innocent, but then the crowd protests. And so Pilate never acts on his conviction. First, Pilate needs to make a decision about Jesus, but he defers that decision After being up all night, Jesus is brought before Pilate's early Friday morning and charges are made, but Pilate thinks Jesus is innocent. Instead of making a decision right there, Pilate sends Jesus down the line to Herod. This actually happens earlier in Luke 23, but by the time we get to verses 14 and 15, Pilate is bringing us up to speed, updating the courtroom. And he says, you brought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining him before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. So we can see that Pilate's in a tough spot. 
He doesn't want to deal with Jesus, but here Jesus is, right in front of him. And releasing Jesus would upset the crowd. Then Pilate has a riot on his hands. But if he condemns Jesus, it means punishing an innocent man. So he doesn't want to upset the crowd, but he also doesn't want to upset his conscience. So he defers his decision. And instead of taking responsibility, he tries to pass it off on Herod. And in other places, we see that Herod actually enjoys getting to meet Jesus. They have a good conversation, or at least Herod tries to talk to him. But then Herod sends him back to Pilate with no verdict. So these two deserve each other, it seems. And second, Pilate needs to be courageous, but he compromises. This is the next stage. He says in verse 15, look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. And you hear that and you say, so Pilate should release Jesus, right? But that's not what happens. He says, I will therefore punish him and release him. Pilate lacks the courage to do what's clearly right. Through the eyes of Pilate, whipping an innocent man is just part of doing business. He can release Jesus. The crowd can see Jesus suffer and everyone's happy, right? That's what Pilate thinks, but his calculations are wrong. The crowd violently opposes the idea and Pilate has to find another card to play. So third, Pilate tries to do the right thing, but he actually goes about it the wrong way. Enter Barabbas. The other gospels actually explain that this was a custom during these festivals that the governor would sometimes release or pardon someone. So you can imagine Pilate thinking about the crowds, thinking about his predicament and playing to their fears. Who's the worst guy I've got locked up? They don't want Barabbas back on the streets. And if I can get them to keep Barabbas in jail, then I can release Jesus. But now Pilate's playing politics. He's taking polls. And if you've followed our latest election cycle, you know that polls are unpredictable at best. You put someone crazy on the ballot, people will vote for him or her. Pilate knows the right thing to do, but he goes about it the wrong way. Pilate puts Barabbas on the ballot with Jesus. He doesn't know his base. He's got no votes. So last, Pilate claims innocence even while committing injustice. In Matthew 27, 24, we read this part of the story. It says, when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, he's not getting where he wants to get, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. So through the eyes of Pilate, washing his hands frees him from guilt. But can a little water really wash away what he's doing? Because before the water even dries, Pilate gives his verdict. And in this dark moment, we read these dark words in verse 23, and their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demand should be granted. So in the end, Pilate comes across as cold and indifferent. In the end, he looks like a coward. He does what's politically expedient, but it's morally bankrupt. He defers the decision. He compromises. He tries to do the right thing, but for the wrong reason. And after all of that, He claims to be innocent. That's what he does, but why does it matter? It matters because through the eyes of Pilate, we can see ourselves. Pilate reminds us how we sometimes deal with Jesus. Sometimes we need to make a decision relating to Jesus, but we defer that decision. We trust someone else to deal with Jesus for us because we'd rather not. Maybe it's inconvenient, or the timing's not good, or the cost is too high. 
maybe our friend or our relative or our spiritual leader, maybe they can deal with Jesus for us. Sometimes we need to be courageous, but we compromise. We know the right thing to do, but we don't do it. Or we know the right thing to say, but we don't say it. Or we do do it, or we do say it, but we do it in such a way that it's not really clear which side we're actually on. And sometimes we try to do the right thing, but we go about it in the wrong way. So we try to do God's work the world's way. And sometimes we claim innocence even while we're involved in evil. So it matters because through the eyes of Pilate we see ourselves, but something else matters more because through the eyes of Pilate we see Jesus. Where is Jesus? He's standing right there before Pilate's eyes, but we don't hear him. Because in our passage, as we heard sung, he never says a mumbling word. We almost forget he's there as this is all swirling around. Where is Jesus? He seems like the tragic victim caught up in this. This has to be a terrible accident, right? But if Jesus is a victim, ask yourself, if this is just a big mistake, ask yourself, why is he silent? Think about the trial. Have you ever seen anything like this? The judge spends the whole trial trying to avoid his responsibility as a judge. The judge repeats over and over again that he thinks the defendant is innocent and then somehow he condemns the defendant to death and death on a cross. What is going on here? On the surface, Jesus is on trial, right? But there's something deeper going on because really the whole world is gathered here. We have politicians and religious leaders and the people, whole gangs here. Everyone's here. No one knows it, but everyone's on trial. And the question is, what are we going to do with Jesus? Everyone's on trial and everyone's guilty. Pilate is guilty of being indifferent, being a coward. The religious leaders are guilty of not believing in Jesus. Barabbas, he probably knows he's guilty. He's guilty of murder. They are all prisoners trapped in their sin. They think Jesus is the prisoner. They're all guilty. And they think Jesus is guilty. The prisoner is the only one who's truly free, standing there silent. The guilty one is the only one who's truly innocent, standing there silent. God's word often reminds us that we see things upside down. Consider our arrogance. Instead of facing our own guilt, we bring charges. We put God on trial for what he does, for what he doesn't do, for who he is, for who he's not. We put Jesus on trial almost 2,000 years ago in a governor's headquarters but it's still happening today in countless human hearts. We try to judge the judge, and then we get upset when he's silent. So of course Pilate's confused. Here's Jesus, supposed to be the king of the Jews, but he's exhausted. He has tattered clothes or perhaps a robe at this point that's mocking him and a bruised face and a split lip. He doesn't really look the part. And then he doesn't defend himself. In 13 verses, Jesus literally says nothing. And if you're Pilate, you're thinking, Jesus, I'm for you. Help me here. Defend yourself. Silence. In To Kill a Mockingbird, Atticus Finch says that real courage is when you know you're licked before you begin, but you begin anyway, and you see it through no matter what. That sounds great. That may be true, but that's, that's really not Jesus' courage. Jesus' courage is a different kind of thing altogether because he's not here because he's licked. He's not here by accident. He's here because he wants to be here. This is why he came, and he will see it through no matter what. Jesus is silent because he knows that we're all on trial. 
And he can either defend himself or he can defend us. He can either declare he's innocent or he can deal with our guilt, but he can't do both. Every time Pilate opens his mouth, we see his cowardice. And every time Jesus keeps his mouth shut, we see his courage. Because he knows he's innocent. He knows this is the greatest injustice in history. He could stop it at any moment and he does nothing. Because behind his silence is the greatest courage and the deepest love. On the cross, he's going to be taunted. You saved others, save yourself. But the people don't get it. Because if he wants to save others, he can't save himself. It's his life for ours. And so he's silent. So through the eyes of Pilate, we see Jesus handed over to be crucified. And we see Barabbas going free. Barabbas, who took a life. Barabbas, who should be crucified in Jerusalem. And Jesus, the author of life, is led away to be crucified in his place. Do you know what Barabbas means? Bar Abbas, son of the father. So the son of the father goes free. And the only son of the father takes his place. Whatever Barabbas did, he has a new story now. His chains are taken off. The cell door is open. He walks out a free man. Because Jesus took his place, Barabbas has a whole new life. We don't really know what happened to Barabbas. But just imagine, put yourself in his shoes for a second. Could you make it through a single day without thinking of the one who took your place? So perhaps you see yourself in Pilate. But do you see yourself in Barabbas? Do you see that Jesus is silent for you? For all the times that you deferred the decision, you compromised, you did the right thing with the wrong heart, you claimed to be innocent even while doing evil, and so did I. And Jesus is silent for us. He doesn't plead his case so that he can plead our case. And he takes our place so that we can be Bar Abbas, a son or a daughter of the father. We don't know the rest of Barabbas' story, but what's your story? Have your chains come off? Has the cell door been opened? Are you free? Can you make it through a single day without thinking of the one who took your place? Can you sing with joy and wonder, in my place condemned he stood? Hallelujah, what a savior. After seeing through the eyes of others, the only real question is, who is Jesus through your eyes? Join me as we pray. Father, what kind of love is this that Jesus would stand in silence? Father, what kind of love is this that Jesus would take our place? And in this silence, Father, would you search our hearts and help us to see Jesus through eyes of faith?